cabin with my girlfriend to see her on. Wait, maybe she's not there. I can't wait to get lucky with her tonight. Nobody's here. This cabin is so creepy. Oh my god, is that a recorder? What's on it? Press play. There is this weird saying, and now the sky's going gray. her head because she is dead and now she is standing and mocking me why did I have to hear those words and what they say everything's going bad today holy shit my hand is off again wait again that was supposed to be a one time thing but now I have a chance as a girlfriend this is not the trip i wanted so i'm gonna play that song again welcome back everyone to the punk rock horror podcast <laughs> i am the undead bat I'm Zach Beastman. <laughs> I it's it's it, it, it you you had this love this lovely like momentum going and then you kicked in with the with the brilliance there which Thank is you. which is just yeah. like you I felt like a deadite was in the room. I felt like a deadite was in the room. I feared for my life for a second. Uh, <laughs> and I don't okay. want to lose my hand today, man. <laughs> well, you can you can listen to me. I'll, I'll... That is true. I the only man that I would give my hand Aww. to. Undead Matt. Uh, you're, you think you're gonna make Cody a little jealous here? He's gonna, you know, I'll fight him. <laughs> <laughs> he might want the other hand. I couldn't fight, but that could, but I couldn't fight Cody either. I'm in a weird position here because I've got to fight for your honor. Or I've got to stay friends with Cody and risk offending you. I don't know. I don't know which side to pick. I mean, I do have more tattoos than he does. Yeah. Uh, today's episode is also brought to you by SlashingCast.net. Please check us out on there along with all the other amazing shows as well. When you head over there, leave some comments. Tell them that they need to start paying us. I'm just kidding. We love them. We love giving them a hard time. They're good people. Please check them out. Please support them. And please follow them on Instagram and Twitter, respectively, as well. But yeah, we are back for the new Friday episode. And... Huge shout out to our guests that came on Tuesday, Zeltris. They are a fantastic band. Uh, we played some of their music in that Tuesday episode. It was great getting to hear how they've been doing, how shows have been going. Um, I mean, and I know it was the first time you meeting them. So what was, what was the experience like for you? They're, they're, they were a lot more soft-spoken than I thought they would be, knowing that they're a political punk band. Yeah, it's, it is very disarming hearing zero sing mm-hmm. and then talking to zero like he's he's it's not like i never expected him to be like an overly gruff guy or anything oh no i mean i never but, expect them to be like aggressively angry or anything yeah but but he was just like he was so calm and i was just like that's really assuring you know like it's 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 just nice to hear it yeah and it's not like that randy blythe type of calm of like 
where like you like he's calm because right now he needs to be calm but he can tell like he just has like some tensed up energy they didn't feel pent up whatsoever yeah or no. pent up yeah they were relaxed they were oh yeah they were they were engaged in in the sam raimi chatter and just talking about like i liked hearing about how they were getting back into the swing of things in a post-covid environment yeah it was very uh it was very encouraging to hear how they kept at it and how they came back at it too i mean um I know they definitely had some some downturns throughout the process, but mm-hmm. you know it's and one thing that I've been trying to do better with is that it's so easy to subscribe and listen to negative thoughts and negative things and pay you know pay attention to those to those those moments where it feels like everything failed. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's easy to focus on that because just like being mean, everybody can do it. It's easy to be mean. Yeah. Uh, but it really takes, you know, patience and strength and time to pay attention to the victories and the progress you're making and to focus on that and not let all these other things that, that are, that aren't, that are giving you a narrative or that you're making up the narrative in your head, bring you down, you know? Yeah. It, it, and it's nice to just hear some positivity flowing in there. They, they, they're they genuinely excited to be creating what they create. And I think that that outshines any mm. frustrations that they could find themselves in. Yeah. And, they've, and they actively said in that episode about like doing doing what you want to do because you want to do it, which is like still one of the most important oh, yeah. things that can be attributed to anybody who's attempting to do art right now. Like if you're if you're doing this to get fucking like attention or noticed and whatnot. Yeah. It, it 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 never pans out because it's not it, it, people can smell that shit a mile away, you know. Yeah, and I mean there, uh, and I know for our our show, um, it's it's we have uh, you know we've always had to walk a certain line because it's like we're a podcast. Our what makes us different than being in a band is that when you're in a band, um, it's it, it's and this is a hard argument to make, but you can still generate just an audience from just putting out music. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, there isn't like promotion involved and that you don't have to do that. You absolutely have to, I mean, depending on what your end goal is. Um, but for us, it's, it's like, okay, you know, we call ourselves the punk rock horror podcast. Mm-hmm. And so we're not desperate for like big companies to sponsor us or like, you know, big networks to buy us out or anything like that. Right. Um, because even though that'd be really cool and that would come with a nice, you know, hefty paycheck at the same time, though, we in no way want to compromise and change who we are unless it benefits the listeners. Like we're putting in all the changes in the quality. We're bringing people like you on for the show because we yeah, want... yeah you certainly don't want to put me on the show if you're trying to make money <laughs> off of this thing. That's I... how I know you guys are pure. I'm like, oh, they asked me. Oh, they don't want to make this a living, do they? <laughs> <laughs> Nonsense. Are you kidding me? Uh, yeah, I, I think you deserve to be paid far more for all the things you take on. Honestly, I, you know, it's funny. I had that conversation with somebody not too long ago about just like, like what would be the limit on your show? And I'm like, well, I think the moment I started to become I'm a moral preacher is the moment I'd stop the show because I'd realize I'd have to stop it. Yeah. So there's like certain limits that you have because like especially what we discuss, you know, it's it's easy to fall down that rabbit hole. But yeah. like any reason you do it should be because you want to talk about it. Like I, I'm going to be recording an episode on The Hustler on Tuesday. Right. I love <clears throat> talking about how that film got a sequel nearly 20 years later that won its lead star and Oscar for a role he originated like that. That's the stuff that keeps me energized. It's yeah. not like the attention. It's just like, Oh my God, I get to talk about this thing. That shouldn't be able to happen. Like. Well, and like, but, uh, but yeah, and that's like, and that's what I mean though. Like coming back to it, it's like, 
you know, that's why we brought, we've been putting in all the changes and updating the quality in little small ways and big ways here and there, you know, whether it's actually, you know, getting more music included for our music breaks Mm -hmm. um, in between episodes, keeping our, trying to keep our episode links to at least an hour um, to even just like including more sound bites. You know, I mean, I'm not going to go through all the, uh, the malarkey of it all, but, but or not malarkey, but the, you know, the fat of it all. The point being is that, you know, it's it's we've always wanted to upgrade and update and do better with the show because we want this show to land with people. You know, mm-hmm. we want the ghouls, gals, creeps and mans who continue to support us and comes back and see the potential we have and want to see us soar. We want to make this show for them and we want to make it for the new ones, too. Obviously, you know, we want people to be attracted to it. But with that, we also have the understanding of like, you know, if like. Uh, I guess if like NBC got into the podcast game, which I don't know if they are already, I mean, whatever if they are, um, if they came to us and they're like, yeah, we would love to, you know, swan, you know, we want to buy out your show. And the only thing is that we want to have creative control over it and that we would honestly tell them to fuck off. Like, and it's in a, and I know how like edgelord that sounds, but I'm, and I'm not trying to make it sound edgelord. It's, it's very much just that we are well aware of the impact the show has we're well aware of the message we bring. We're well aware of people being like, well, what does punk rock have to do with horror? You know, like we, we get that. And and that's the thing, you know, is that is that if you sit with us and you listen to our episodes, maybe you'll get it and maybe you won't. But either way, if you're leaving entertained and you're enjoying what you're hearing and you feel good listening to us and you like hearing our reviews or any if there's any reason why you keep coming back then we're going to keep doing it we're going to keep expanding and we're going to keep getting better and that's you know i think it's any any content creator in any medium whether you're a musician um an author a actor a podcaster um you know what have you you want to get better you know you want to get better at what you do and it's so nice when people see that and they recognize that and they give you those compliments but you really got to try to do it because you want to do it and you want to see it grow and you want that impact on people and not because you're hoping for that. Thank you of somebody. And I, and I've had to know, and I've had to combat those thoughts when I've hurt, felt them sneaking up, you know? Yeah. I have um, fellow podcaster and a um, uh, good friend of mine named Smokey who does rated H out in the UK. They do horror film talk out there. Yeah. And, um, he and his co-host Ben had a wonderful conversation about doing this because you want to do it. And one of the things they alluded to was, you know, one part of the reception that is nice is that when you find somebody, find out that you made somebody's day with what you do, that's the reward. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's the absolute reward. Like absolutely. If, if, if what I can do or what you do with, uh, with Cody or what you and I are doing right here, right now, if it brightens somebody's day, that's more than enough reward. And also, we wanted to come down here in this basement here uh, and chat about the things we admire and are passionate about. Oh yeah. You know, if we wanted to, if there's no other reason to do this, there's theoretically, there's no reason for us to be doing this right now when we could just not record it. But we have an idea that our conversation will benefit somebody else or at least get them out of their head for a day. Yeah. I'm a big proponent to oh, get yourself out of your head for the absolutely. day. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, uh, and that's one of the biggest compliments that I'm always going to keep to heart is that we've been told that our show has we've had listeners tell us that our show has helped them with their depression and that it gets them to laugh or they feel like that somebody relates to them 
or that it gets them out of their head for a moment. And like, if, if us just doing what we do and continuing to do what we do at the best possible way we can does that, then hell yeah, you know, that's, that's yeah. more enough reason. Then we succeeded in that respect. And that's, that's, that's more than enough reward for our day. Absolutely. Yeah. I also, think it's just fun. It's just fun doing this. Oh, I mean, God, yeah. we love talking with people like Zelatress and, um, Barry McLean Jr. and all the folks okay. we've gotten to talk to. I, I'm going to be seeing him at Fan Expo this weekend, by yeah, the way. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah, tell him, you know, give him a big hug for me. I will, yeah. Uh, the, for if he's cool with hugs. I don't know how, <laughs> how he is with, with touch. He'll be, like, he'll, be, he'll be like, look, I'll come on your podcast, but I won't hug you. <laughs> you know, that's fair. You know, I'd, I'd be like, you know what? You're absolutely right to do that. That's <laughs> You're fair. absolutely right to be refusing um, that. With that in mind, then, let's go ahead and jump into today's first musical guest, and we will come back with something we love and hate. All right, all you ghouls, gals, creeps, and mutants, it's time for a music break. Coming at you is Blackfire, the latest single from the band Batshit Crazy. It's now available on Bandcamp and Spotify, and you can get a listen right here and right now. Now let's get back to the conversation for something we love and hate. Matt, take it away. And we are back. So with it being our Friday movie review episode, mm-hmm. we got to now jump into our favorite segment, uh-huh. something we love and hate. Matt and Zach have a lot to say. What do we love and hate? All right. So, all right, I'm going to... We've talked about it before we started recording, and I'm going to let you kick it off because you, you've seen the movie, and I've I've been dragging my butt a little bit and have yet to see it. So 
uh, start off, my man. What, yes. what do we hate this week? Yes. Yeah, so I did see Venom. Let there be carnage. <laughs> <laughs> I actually saw that one. I, 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 that's the one I, I did. I, yeah. I saw. It. Full disclosure, I actually enjoyed that movie. It was good. Um, yeah, it, it was. was it was. Yeah. It was a nice cheesy it, B movie. It gave me exactly what I was hoping for. <laughs> exactly. No. Um, <clears throat> Halloween Kills. Uh, came came uh across all platforms, both Peacock and theaters. Uh, mm-hmm. the past week, mm-hmm. I went dutifully. Uh, you know, carrying carrying my Donald Pleasance imitation intact into the theater. <laughs> Um, by the way, I saw it with a group of teenagers, and for the first time in years, I looked around me and I was like, "Oh yeah, horror movies are technically marketed towards teenagers." My God, I've, I've forgotten so much. It, that's what happens when a pandemic does to you guys. Um, but the movie unfolded, um, and um, the friend that I was with, Malia, she and I were, you know, having fun with it, you know, getting freaked out and right, having right. all the fun tropes and whatnot. And I was watching this movie as a longtime fan of the series, and I was realizing that something very special was unfolding. But my critical eye was telling me, like, okay, well, temper yourself. But a week has passed since I've seen it, or over a week now. And I still have to go back again because I want to go back a couple more times in the theater before right. it fully leaves. And I realized that this might be one of the best Halloween movies ever executed even if the idea is not fully uh, perfected and polished. So the idea of it being that it's a Michael Myers tone poem. (laughs) Um, Okay. The movie doesn't really have a plot. Mm. It really is about dissecting Michael on an emotional level. Um, And when you realize that the intent of this new trilogy is to reestablish the fact that Michael is evil itself and therefore there's no curses attached to it. Right. There's no brother-sister relationship right. thing with Laurie. It brings it back to the purest form of Halloween in the form of the most brutal Halloween movie I've ever seen. And so my concern or hate for this week has been watching people respond to it as if though they were expecting something grander. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I uh, I I will say that uh the pro and and I might get some shit from this but uh you know it's fine. Um I do feel that fans of the entire fan community of Halloween is one of the most divisive and touchy fan bases i have ever bear witness to and i would agree <laughs> and it's yeah and so like i I so i haven't seen the film yet i still need to do it but from what i have heard and from what you said as well like um that it is mostly a gore fest and it was in your words establishing him being evil and i've also heard criticisms that you know that it's it's it does nothing with the lore. It doesn't further the lore as much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't focus on Lori as much. And yeah. And then at the same time, um, you know, it's, it's, I see more like reasonable, like reasons to hate it. Like, like I've, uh, some, some bands I follow that, uh, who have seen it, you know, or talking like th- some of the dialogue just was kind of cringy or didn't like land as well, which mm-hmm. I'm like, sure. You know what? That's, that's a fair, that's a fair thing. Yeah. To... That's, that's not an unfair criticism. The yeah. dialogue's a little, uh, a little patchy in places. Yeah. It, and although probably the most awesome thing that spun from it was the meme of the Iron Maiden, the, the lady that, that goes after Michael with the iron. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
um but uh which which there's a there's a crew facebook group uh facebook page about that so it's just it's just it's it's literally titled the lady who showed up to to fight michael myers with an iron and it just has her standing there with the iron just so intense and that seems to be a danny mcbride note to me which is awesome (laughs) if that's the case Um, but 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 coming back to it though what what kind of makes me frustrated is that there was such just like the the prior one there was such huge hype around this and immediate reactions uh, are going both ways but i'm really just upset with people just kind of like trash bidding the movie right away like just because the hype didn't meet their expectations Mm -hmm. you know and like and i get it like it's not like you have to like the movie and i'm not saying you have to like it but it's for me it's it's definitely and i'll and i'll pass it back to you in a moment but like for me it's definitely like pick a lane because here's the thing when and i don't know if these are the same fans or not but when rob zombie took the helm and did his version Mm -hmm. you know what people really hated about it the fact that they made michael myers feel more human because of his connection to Lori. And basically explaining Michael. Yeah. And now that they're not doing that, <laughs> and it's a film, it's a gore fest film r- reminding people why Michael is such an intimidation, intimidating factor. Yeah. People are upset because they didn't expand the lore. And it's, and sure, the argument's like, well, you know, some time has passed. People have learned to appreciate the Rob Zombie films. Which I, I, I've always appreciated the films. Yeah. I just have to separate them from Halloween at times. But <laughs> if you're somebody who still hates the rob zombie films and also hates this one you need to pick a lane because you're you either hate when they do more lore type of stuff with michael or you hate it when they do type more gore and if that's the case then maybe you're just not that big of a halloween fan like i think they might be a fan of the series as it existed before uh before the last 15 to 20 years which is which is more than which is more than valid um i I was gonna say like ultimately like you're right. Halloween fans are a weird, divisive bunch. And frankly, we shouldn't have the right to be because out of all the franchises, ours yeah. is the most convoluted, yeah. timeline-fucked series in ho- horror history. But Friday the 13th is not like perfect with every single entry, per se. No. But you know what? Even though it always looks like it's the 80s because they're made in the 80s, their timeline's pretty damn consistent for the most part. Like yeah. it, it'll jump around in time, but you just have to assume that 1995 still looked aesthetically like 1985. You know, like well, and that's <laughs> the thing with Halloween films is that their own their timeline is only different based off whatever director you follow, director or studio running it, or and this is the the big key one is who. Who, what is the intent of the person behind that particular right. project, whether it's right. Mustafa Akkad or whether it's Rob Zombie or whether it's David Gordon Green. Everybody has their own interpretation of what this story should be. And let's keep in mind, this is a film series based off of a film where the director and the producer have both actively stated we had no intention of ever making a sequel. Right. Whereas every other franchise that follows even though they say we have no intention of a franchise, more than likely they're doing it because they want a franchise. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, it, at that point you're definitely like splitting hairs of like motivations and whatnot, mm-hmm. but really like, it's like, it makes me laugh because it's like, they came out with a reboot of Candyman, and Candyman fans were just happy to get a new Candyman movie. Yeah. You know? And it's like, 
you look at the Halloween fans, and when the the prior one with uh, uh, with Jamie Lee Curtis came out, you know, it was still just like how it was with Halloween Kills, where it was still like, oh no, now we get to argue about this one too, and just not being happy that we got one. Every you know? everybody had a problem in some form or fashion with that reboot from a multitude of angles. The big one that I didn't understand was the whole Dr. Sartain controversy. I was like, guys, it's, it's to establish that you don't need a doctor to fight Michael. But also, given what this new film, this second film does, it establishes that Sartain is very necessary into helping you realize that Michael Myers is not after Lori. Yeah. Michael Myers is a wild fucking animal. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and, the, and I mean, like, and sure, like I, I because we got to move on to what we love. Yeah. Um, like, I understand it, too, if it's just like, look, it, the thought was is that he had a connection with Lori and that needed to end it, you know, because he's he's crazy yeah. um, or whatever. And but it, and getting upset that they kind of like changed from that, you know, like I, I get that. But if, if it's if it's that you're mad that uh, the Rob Zombie films because it's too much lore, and not enough gore. And then you're mad at this one because it's too much gore, not, not enough lore. Then, I mean, man, you, you need to pick a lane like it's it's the they're unlike and and i can't and this is gonna sound a little blasphemous somewhat uh-huh. unlike the latest star Wars films you know this didn't go through a hodgepodge of directors of producers of creative forces behind it it was made with people that that has helped start this series establish it and loved it jamie lee curtis is known to uh talked about her love for the films and that fact that it gave her her start you know, like obviously, John Carpenter executive producing and scoring these movies is kind of a mini miracle. Yeah, and fucking right. <laughs> like, and the fact that like people forget that too. Like, I'm just like, guys, you you you're like the person that gets mad because they go to a high end Italian restaurant and they don't have free breadsticks because Olive Garden does. You know, like uh, I'll say one thing and then we'll be done with it because we got to move on to something we love because I could go on the tangent all night. I will simply say that in a world where you want, in a world where you are getting another Halloween movie, thank God that you still have technically an autonomous force running that franchise because when Star Wars, I don't mind the Disney Star Wars output at all. Like I, I liked Force Awakens, I loved Last Jedi. I need to revisit Rise of Skywalker, whatever. It's my thing. One thing is for sure, when Disney got into the hands of a corporation bigger than the one person of George Lucas, Mm -hmm. it went through a committee. Thankfully, the Halloween movies are not going through a committee right now. The only thing they really have to answer to is Jason Blum, and Jason Blum's been pretty active in saying, do whatever the fuck you want to do, just keep it within budget. (laughs) (laughs) So I would say be grateful that we've got one. Thank God we've got another one coming out, and thank God that because it's so successful and thanks to $50 million fucking dollars at the box office in pandemic times... We're, this, the Halloween's not going away, and I'm super excited about that. We're getting more Halloween oh, yeah. down the pipeline. It's going to be great. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, like I said, my favorite thing from the whole thing has been the lady with the iron ready to fight Michael Myers. And I wish we had – I'm really hoping some Halloween fans 
out there and make a fan film of just that, of her taking on Michael with the iron. My favorite thing about that reboot is the fact that when they had to show a picture of Bob, uh, one of the first victims from the first Halloween, yeah. they couldn't track down the guy who played Bob in the original to get the right, to clear his rights for to show his footage and the picture of him. Yeah. So uh, David Gordon Green found a picture, like looked up Bob High School yearbooks on Google and found Bob Odenkirk's uh, high school picture. <laughs> and so he just said, well, he's pretty much easy to track down. So they apparently cleared it. Bob Odenkirk is now officially in Halloween canon. <laughs> I love that Mr. Show is part of Halloween oh, canon. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> All righty then. With that in mind, let's go ahead and palate cleanse with a clean cord to what we love. Mm-hmm. All right. So what I love this week is definitely... Uh, is definitely a little more uh, uh, motivating, I want to say, in that I uh, recently, so obviously I've talked about on the show, one of my favorite games that I always come back to and always play and will play with anyone if they ever ask me to is Star Wars Battlefront. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mo- and I'm talking about the 2017 one uh, because they've, uh, uh, the quick, the quick run up of it, you, you know, is that they fixed it up. It's a fun game now. If you have it on PC, you can get a load of mods to make it what you want. You know, it's, it's fun. Can I, can I fight as Yoda and then burn down a Jedi tree in it? No, but you can play as Kermit. <laughs> I mean, it's not what I, I wasn't fishing for that, but I'm glad I caught it. <laughs> yeah. No, you, you can actually play as Kermit the Frog. Like, fucking dope. I, I downloaded it. And I'm just like, this is great. <laughs> you underestimate my power. Yay! Well, it's funny because like he, so his mod is a replacement for Kylo Ren's model. <laughs> so like I giggle every now and then. Cause like I can only think of the scene from a uh, uh, force awakens. Um, with or I think it's Force Awakens where he's he's on the bridge with Han on that on that one scene that made us all cry and I just I know what I must do but I don't really know if I have the strength to do it. <laughs> Your son is gone. He was foolish and weak like his father. <laughs> Kill the past, Ray. Kill it if you have to. Oh no. So that, which makes his tantrums even that much more funny because it's the waving arm Kermit doing the tantrums. It's, <laughs> Anyways, um, back to what we love. So, yeah, I, I love playing this game. Like I said, I will literally play it with anyone. I enjoy playing it. I think more people should give it a try. And mm-hmm. I'm more than happy to help people get into it. Um, so, with that in mind, I. I obviously follow the Battlefront 2 Reddit page. Yeah. And so it's not uncommon that people will post up there like, hey, I'm looking for people to play with if anybody's still playing. And um, every now and then I'll I'll respond. And so I responded to one guy. And this is like the first time I made a friend over Reddit. And yeah, it sounds like a rarity. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I mean, for me, it was it was it was cool because, like, I got to meet him and it, his name is Vinny. And, you know, I'm going to be respectful to to his privacy and, and not say where he lives or anything like that. Um, you know, like he, he does reside in Florida, but I'm not, you know, that's where I'm going to leave that. Mm-hmm. Point being is that, you know, me and this dude started talking and like, you know, uh, we, we had some like good heart to hearts. And I'm not going to obviously share all that on here because I respect him. But like, you know, like he's talking to me. He's like, you know, like I, I live in a small town and I've been telling people that I made a new friend on Battlefront. And, like, I've just been really, like, I'm just glad I get to, like, talk and hang out with you, man. You seem like a cool dude. And I'm like, yeah, no, man, same with you. Like, you know, I'm I'm in Colorado. It's where I live isn't as small. But, like, 
I enjoy that you're enjoying this game. You're a really chill dude. And like, it just started with the love of Battlefront, you know, wanting to play the game and uh, the love of Star Wars, especially. And so like, it's been this really cool experience getting to play with this guy because like, you know, he's, he's somebody that, because now I've played games with him for a few months now. Like, I feel like I've known for a lot longer, like, you know, relatively speaking, of course, but like, he's, he's a real chill dude. And it just kind of reminded me of my love of video games and my love of Star Wars and nerd media in general. Like you, you could be surprised, you know, the type of friends you make and where you make them. You never know how it's going to happen. I mean, to even that extent, like I'm going to throw horror into this where you went and saw it and that mm-hmm. was the first time we met and then since and now you're here yeah you know when i got like obviously off the show we exchange jokes and stories and you know yeah hang out when we can and whatnot and so it's 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 just it reminds me to to take the love that i've learned from people who have passed on and from those that are still in my life and to take that and to give it out freely to all that I encounter because it is so often that you run into chaos and meanness. And here's the thing that like uh, got me is that, you know, he asked one day he asked me to the sense of like, you know, like, I don't know why you're such a cool dude. Like most people I meet aren't this cool or nice. And I, and the real reason for that, and this is the same thing. And I always try to keep this energy with anyone I talk to is that, I've seen so much meanness in this world. I've seen so much cruelty. I've experienced so much cruelty. And I experienced it so much to a point that I actively try to not add into that cruelty, whether that's being polite in a quick moment with a quick exchange to relating to someone over the internet Mm -hmm. uh, while playing Star Wars to even just lifting up people when I can see that things are bringing them down. You know, I'm never going to know everybody's story and I'm never going to try to uh, go with that as I do want to give people a chance to create their own stories, you know, and and to better themselves in their own ways. And we can go down that road if we want to. But really the point being is that is that I just I don't feel the want or need to be cruel or mean to people. I it's so easy to be mean. And for a long time, I competed in that game of being mean. And that's what people do. You know, you compete about being mean and tearing each other down. And it's easy to do. But it takes some real goddamn strength to actually try to bring people up and be nice and actually be genuine. You know, I used to have the um, the, I I lived in a lot of like defensive mode um, behavior, um, especially when I was drinking. Mm -hmm. And that would make me come off as douchebag A number one. Um, and I stopped that a little bit before I stopped drinking, but like, I really like curved back on that. And now, like, especially being sober now for over three years, it, uh, I, I have zero desire to return to that mentality. Oh yeah. And, and I wouldn't be lying. I, I would, I, I'd be, I'd be lying if I said that it was a desire of mine before everything that happened within 2016 was going on, because that was really the moment that I started looking inward and wondering, like, how much of a jackass can you will you be before you realize that that's not the way to behave like mm-hmm. i've never been like to my to my memory i've never been like truly egregious beyond like beyond saving but like i'm not i don't think of myself as the greatest person in the world but i have actively tried in the ensuing years to curve that behavior yeah. immensely 
And the whole meeting people online thing, like I do that every week with my film, with the film club that I attend, the Secret History of Hollywood Film Club. Just a love of Golden Age Hollywood movies has connected me with people all over the world that I never expected to carry on conversations with outside of that club. Uh, I'm friends with so many people from that club now that they're they're like family. Yeah, it's like I I genuinely don't know what my life would have been like had I not met those guys. Like I I'd shudder to think about it because yeah. they just they just fill my heart with joy every fucking week. Well, know? and it's and you know that's the thing. It's not about <clears throat> because we got to move on to our movie reviews. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and and that's the thing. It's it's not about the agenda of wanting to just have friends or bigger bonds than that. You know, it's. For if that happens, and I do make friends, which in this case I made a friend with Vinny, mm-hmm. then it's awesome. Of course, I'm going to cherish that. You know, I'm not going to not appreciate that. But my intent with being nice is to just do that. Mm-hmm. Be nice with no hidden intent, no end game out of it. No, I'm hoping people give me a favor. No, none of that. It's I want to spend however longer of my life I am fortunate enough to have to impact my environment my community and the people around me with motivation strength and hope enough that they can do the same with those around them and also never have to worry or think about being anything less than the amazing people they already are i live under the i i live under one simple rule matt which is i really wish other people around me were happier than i see them being right i have like i i have this like thing in my brain that when i see somebody unhappy I start thinking like, why, why are you sad? Like, right. and, you, and you don't deserve to be sad. Yeah. You don't deserve, to, nobody deserves to be sad. And, and sometimes. It just fucking pisses me off. <laughs> well, yeah. And sometimes, you know, everybody's going through a different battle that, that, uh, yeah, that, exactly. is, that is a different size in every way. And, and that's even more reason to just be kind. And, yeah. And, and give and, that love and out to, freely. And to talk to them and let them know that you're listening. That's yeah. the big thing. Like I, I've gone through my own struggles to where I'm just like, look, man, like I, I will sit down with you and talk about it because I'm not coming out. I'm coming out of this at a place of like, look, I know where, where, what it feels like to be where you're at. And I don't want to see you going down the same roads that I did. Yeah. And so if I, if me talking to you for five minutes or five hours is going to fix that or not fix that, but like bring some relief. Yeah. Then like, yeah, like I don't need to fucking do every single thing in the world. I, I actively like, you know me, I, I work a lot of different things, but if somebody needs my attention, I, I'm I'm more than happy to put aside however much time is needed to make sure that that person's going to be okay because yeah. I don't I don't want to think about somebody having to feel the way I feel sometimes, you know. Yeah, and and with that in mind, let me make clear that we are definitely not trying to virtue single signal here. That is not the point of this love. No, it's the uh, the point of this love is that I got to make a friend with somebody that is a complete stranger. And we've been able to impact each other in a positive way. And they serve as an example or motivation to help others continue to be nice out there if you're struggling to. I mean, you know, we, we can't tell you what to do. We can't force you. We can all we can do is encourage you. You know, we're not asking for everybody to praise us for being, you know, nice guys and whatnot. We're just saying, you know, talking about the importance of it because that's the point of a what we love segment. The joking way that I used to refer to this is like, no, no, no. Nobody gets to be sad except for me. So, you know? <laughs> Oofy, I cry. Well, you don't get to cry. <laughs> With that being said, we're going to go ahead and jump into another song, uh, and then we'll come back with our movie reviews. All right, all right, all right, all right. All you ghouls, gals, creeps, and mutants, we've got another song by Batshit Crazy, Such a Waste of Good Suffering. Hit it. 
stuff now let's get back to the conversation for a talk about two sam raimi movies Psychological fuck-ups Everything's intense Let us make this case For these films Not my finest one No, you know know what? It's fine. I liked it. That's all that matters. That was the the concept from the concept album. From the concept album called the the concept album. You have to hear the whole album in a whole to get it. Otherwise, it just doesn't land. Fun fact, each of the title tracks, the titles in the tracks is a letter, and those letters form the word concept. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When I made the album... You know, I, I thought to myself, like, if if I went this way about it, is this me being creative or me adding to my narcissism? And you know what? The answer is both. That's <laughs> it's it's definitely the prior. It's definitely the prior. And, uh, you know, I mean, I would never call myself a hero. But others, you know, I can't control what they say. You know, so if if they would feel that that's appropriate, you know, title for me to have, then you know, I'm, what am what am what am I supposed to do? You know, I'm you know, I'm just yeah, I'm just a simple guy, you know, who's seen as a hero by others. You know, and I, I can't. What can you do? 
What can you do? You can't control you can't control the speech out of other people's mouths. <laughs> they want to call you. That is their prerogative. <laughs> uh, but anyways, on to the meat of the show. So yes. uh, within uh, light, or not within light, within Tuesday's theme, we obviously talked about Sam Raimi. So obviously today we picked two horror films that we're either overlooked or ready for another look at them. And we're going to give you the pros, the cons, let you know of any triggers to be worn of, but mostly make the case as to why you should check them out now. Mm-hmm. So, And by the way, yesterday was Sam Raimi's birthday. Happy late birthday, Eight. because by the time this comes out, it's going to be like four, five days past. <laughs> So hey Bruce, get over here. They 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 mentioned my birthday on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a pretty spot on Sam, you know. Yeah, they, totally. I, I almost thought Sam was here. <laughs> uh so with that in mind, uh we're gonna go ahead and jump into it. Um yeah, do, do, I guess do you want me to go first this time, buddy? Or yeah, why don't you go first? I will, I will go first. So you know, I've definitely been working hard to come back with better selections this time around. Since, since the travesty when I tried to make the case for Doc Knock, yes, I did. You know, I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life now. So, <laughs> but you know, you live and learn and you move on. And so, in order to I, move. To be fair, you made, you, you, you brought up lovely points for Knock Knock. I'm sorry that not everybody likes that movie. Well, no, but, but that's okay. Like, we don't, we don't need to open up that, that casket again, but like, it's okay. Of you know, all like, the things to take down this show, it's the Knock knock controversy <laughs> it's the knock knock controversy <laughs> it's, gonna, it's gonna be the thing that makes us break us it's gonna be a big section on your wikipedia page <laughs> <laughs> like so we can finally put it to rest legitimately we are under the wire with that one mm-hmm. i had to pick a film knock knock was the one out of all of his catalog i have not seen mm. i haven't heard anybody talk to me about it i and that includes like negative reception haven't heard anything about that hey you know it gives us variety though because not everybody talks about that one they'll go right to hostel so. yeah so but you know it's so if i had more time maybe i would have picked something else but it is what it is and mm-hmm. thus i but you know uh, because i've learned from cody as well i need to stop going back and forth between my picks and just actually dedicate mm-hmm. so yeah so that being said, though, um, I dedicated to this film. And this one I was pleasantly surprised by. Definitely landed with me a lot better. And I think I, I really am confident that this is going to encourage all of our ghouls, gals, creeps, and memes to check it out. I decided to do 2000's The Gift. Mm-hmm. So uh, obviously directed by Sam Raimi. That doesn't really need to be said, but is written by Billy Bob Thornton, which was a surprise for me on this one, and Tom Epperson. So it's yeah. not the first time that Billy Bob has written something for a film, obviously, but it, it's, it was definitely just, I did not, you know, that, that was kind of like a surprise yeah, Billy to Bob see. Thornton before he was a uh, star really got his start with sling blade, which is something he wrote. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All the pretty horses is also a writing job by him too. And whatnot. So uh, starring Kate Blanchett, Katie Holmes, Keanu Reeves and Giovanni Ribisi with Greg Kinnear. When Jessica, when Jessica King goes missing, all eyes turn to Annabelle Wilson, not as a murder suspect, but as a clairvoyant. Many of the townsfolk go to Annabelle for help, and Jessica's fiancé, Wayne Collins, turns to Annabelle for possible guidance. Annabelle feels that she can't help, but this doesn't help her. It doesn't stop her from constantly getting visions of Jessica's fate. So, <clears throat> I definitely have a. I'm going to try to surmise this as best I can. So bear with me. So. Definitely has one of the most calming and warping, warming openings I've ever seen in a Sam Raimi film. Because, like, 
again, the thought of Sam Raimi is either if it's if it's not Evil Dead, it's Spider Man, mm-hmm. and if it's not Spider Man, it's Drag Me to Hell. If it's not Drag Me to Hell, it's somewhere between all three of those. So no, I've never. So this was just weird to see because it's just like an opening shots of like this this you know creek bed and just like very sombering like you know like calming fall type of music and you're just like oh okay well you know i guess i stepped into a lifetime movie um and so i mean that's nothing to take away from the film but it, it was just funny to kind of like see with being a sam raimi fan my fan myself um but with that in mind obviously the most biggest pro i can put out of this thing is that a solid cast is led by Kate Blanchett with this entire film as her portraying the character annabelle wilson with katie holmes keanu reeves again Gianna, giovanni ribisi hillary swank jk simmons greg kinnear everyone is at their best throughout this entire film and that is going to be the biggest reason for anyone to invest is the acting prowess behind that, that is in this film seriously it's it, that alone will catch your interest and keep you invested throughout with that in mind, though, um, we do see An- Annabelle run through everyday life, helping her neighbors and community with her ESP abilities and get to see the impact it has on her communities. Well, at least sometimes, as unfortunately, not all are kind to how she you know, makes money and her clairvoyant abilities. We find this out with uh, and this is actually going to be the first trigger warning I'm going to give you all. Um, there is a trigger warning for racially tar- charged language at 17 minutes and 50 seconds. If you want to skip it and avoid it, skip to 18 minutes and 37 seconds to avoid. What you are missing is that Keanu Reeves character who portrays the who, who uh, takes on the role of uh, Donnie Brooksdale comes to Kate Blanchett's Annabelle Wilson's house in order to threaten her from not talking to his wife anymore. So he Keanu Reeves is very much a bad guy in this movie. I'm going to tell you that right now. And he's fantastic at it. And I'll get more into it a little later. Yeah. But with that in mind, you know, he, he does, he, he does threaten Annabelle to stop giving readings to his wife, Valerie, and proceeds to threaten and harm her children if she does not. Uh, he also holds up a voodoo doll to her and is like, if, if you don't stop, I'm going to put a fucking needle in this voodoo doll every day. You know, and so... Damn, he's a monster. Yeah, he's. I mean, I mean, it gets worse, but <laughs> or he gets worse. I should say he gets worse. Yeah. Um. So shortly after that, though, um, scene ends. Next day comes and Valerie uh, Brooksdale, who is played by Hillary Swank, ends up coming back to Annabelle for another reading. At, anyways, and so throughout these readings she's also confiding in the abuse that uh hillary that valerie goes through with uh donnie Mm -hmm. and so that which is the reason why donnie doesn't want you know valerie or annabelle talking to valerie because you know abusive i don't need to go down that road and explain why that matters yeah um the point being is that a scene then comes to light after valerie come uh, comes over to annabelle's place and this is where I'm going to include the next trigger warning for domestic violence at 20 minutes and 20 seconds in. If you want to avoid this, skip to 2120. What is missed, though, is Valerie uh, Barksdale, again played by Hilary Swank, comes back to Annabelle for another reading and to also confide about her abuse she's enduring with her husband, Donnie. Donnie then appears at uh, Annabelle's house and then gets very hands-on 
with Valerie in the scene. I'm going to kind of like dance around it because obviously I don't want to explain it and accidentally trigger anybody. Um, you know, I want to be respectful in that way. And so, right. you know, it's, it's a pretty intense scene. I'm definitely going to say if you do have trauma with that or if you don't, if that's something that does not put you in a happy place or, you know, it's hard to come back from that, I would advise skipping it. Credit goes to all the talents on scene pulling the scene together because even it took me out of it for a moment, forgetting that it's fake. Mm-hmm. Um, and credit goes to Sam Raimi for being able to focus on that type of intensity throughout his other works. Right. Um, and yeah. so, you know, just be aware of that going through. However, there's not many other trigger warnings except for one other one um, later on in the film. <clears throat> so, Although this is not the first time that Raimi diverged from his more intense themes that he includes in his horror films, this one might throw some off, hoping for something to be more to the tune of Evil Dead. It's, in my opinion, a very well-paced psychological thriller. It is definitely more focused on drama and, like, small-town happenings. So, you know, take with that what you will. Um, But it's, it's... it's definitely going to throw some people off who are so who are expecting something like gory or, or more, you know, obscene or something like that that they've experienced with uh, or right. to know with Sam Raimi. Yeah. But that being said, though, this film does great with its on again with its on scene character actions. As Annabelle never feels out of place with those she converse with those that she does converse with throughout the film, it very much feels like these people have known each other for a long time and doesn't come off forced. And so, and that could be. If you're from a small town, and not to not to speak for you, but because I have you know been with people and gotten to know people from small towns, it's it could definitely seeing something like this in a film. I feel like could be a little rough, only because it would feel so non-organic. You know, yeah. Like if you're from a small town, you already know how all the mag the machinations and how small towns work, right? And so here, like they are able to really kind of capture that in a way that that made me feel like these people knew each other for a long time. And I liked that about this film. I thought it was another good pro uh, to point out with the movie. And shortly after this dinner party that Annabelle goes to with her friend in order to get out, you know, and maybe find a cute guy or, you know, girl or what have you. um, She, you know, it, it, she then has a conversation with Greg Kinnear about his, uh, fiance katie holmes who plays jessica king and so you kind of find out a little bit more at this dinner party um where we meet more of the characters of the story and get witness to their backgrounds you know we find out you know jessica she's definitely kind of like she's the town girl she she's portrayed as someone that gets around a lot and because of uh annabelle's clairvoyance abilities she's able to see uh other people that Jessica has been with mm-hmm. um, and has cheated on uh, Greg Kinnear's character Wayne with. And so, you know, it's kind of, you already kind of started getting this picture, you know, played out. Um, but again, you know, shortly after this dinner party, um, we then see Annabelle come home to an obvious sign of a break in with it. Obviously being a threat from Keanu Reeves character, Donnie. Right. At this point, next day comes the scene transitions and we find out that Jessica King has gone missing. And so, with the police first being as useful as a dull can opener by not willing to follow up. <laughs> but this is, but this, I mean, like, legit, though. Like, they decide to not follow up, really, with Annabelle's report saying that 
you know, this was Donnie that did it. Like, these are the reasons why. And, like, you know, the police has been like, well, there's not really much we can do. You know, I'm sorry. You know, I'm, just, I'm not sure he would do that. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, oh, God. But, you know, af- after that, we do see Buddy Cole, played by uh, Giovanni Ribisi. He's also somebody who has confided a lot in Annabelle throughout uh, throughout their history. And he comes to her for another reading, for a reading. And, again, the acting is fantastic with this scene because – and this, and I debated giving this one a trigger warning, but the reason I didn't is because I, I, I don't feel like it warranted as much. Basically, they start kind of hinting at some of the abuse that, uh, Bob, uh, that Buddy grew went uh, went through with his father growing up, mm-hmm. and there's some you know very sensitive themes implied, but the way he acts in this scene is so good. Like it's it it's, and it's such a hard hard emotion to pull off the one he pulls in this in this scene because it could very easily come off as cringy and forced right and it doesn't like giovanni he knows how to land it the type of cues and like body movements and the way to interact with the environment around him to make it feel natural and just again man like i cannot emphasize more about the acting throughout this entire film it is brilliant But shortly after this, Annabelle also receives another threatening call from Donnie and then tries to sleep at night only to be woken by a vivid dream of being choked while laying in bed, thus kind of also adding more catalyst to this film to keep it moving. Oh, shit. So the next day of church after this happens, we do find out that Jessica King, again, who's played by Katie Holmes, has been reported to have gone missing Thus, the events of the films begin to ramp up at this point where Keanu Reeves himself is fun to hate throughout this entire film as he's a spectacular villain. The example here that I'm going to go with is Donnie uh, driving up to one of Annabelle's kids and threatening his son saying, you know, if your mom doesn't stop talking to my wife, something bad's going to happen to her. Yeah. You know, your mom's a witch and like, you know, using very just bad language and giving it to Giovanni, you know, giving it to Buddy. He he comes to save the day with little kid <laughs> with a scene so spectacularly so spectacularly unhinged that it's dark humor that we've come to expect with most Sam Raimi films is very much on display. Because like he just drives up like and he's just like looks at the kid and he's like, Hey, is uh everything all right? See if you giving a hard time and the kid looks at Buddy and he's just like he's like, He called my mom a witch and he's like <laughs> Oh, he did, huh? <laughs> and so, like, so Buddy, like, grabs his crowbar, goes up to Keanu Reeves, like, you know, GMC truck, and just, like, starts wailing on the window. So he's, like, he's like, I'll fucking kill you! I'll fucking you! ever fucking go back! I'll fucking get And just, like, goes full-on ape shit. That's, like, that's a that's a Raimi trope we'll talk about in my entry, too, that, like, when he gives, if he's going to give an actor an outburst, <laughs> yeah. he's really good at getting outbursts out of people. Oh, yeah. Like, I, th- I think the definitive perfection of that is willem dafoe as the green goblin absolutely yeah that's 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 a great example you know how much I sacrifice? <laughs> well that's what he does in his movie and it, like he just like he's just wailing on this like truck with his car mm-hmm. i was like it's like i'll fucking kill you i'll wear your flesh i'm kidding he doesn't say that but um you know just like and then like the kid runs off and i, I don't remember if if it's buddy looks at looks at annabelle or the kid I think he looks at Annabelle and he's just like after this whole scene and he's just like, Hey, 
<laughs> and I'm like, all right, okay, you got me. You got me with that one. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, <laughs> so as the movie continues on, and after hearing reports that Jessica's body was found or possibly put in a waterbed, the reports that's being given by Annabelle because she has another vision of where her body might be, uh, where Jessica's body could be, they find out when talking to the local sheriff, uh, Officer Sheriff John, who was played by the fantastic J.K. Simmons, they she has this conversation with him, and you know J.K. Simmons' character as as a, as a, as the sheriff is very much like, okay, Annabelle, I'm sure you can see things, and then he realizes that he doesn't really have much leads, and he's like, fine, fuck it, I will give it a try. If this somehow gets me a lead and we can solve this case, then great. <laughs> um, and so she ends up finding out. They both end up finding out that Donnie uh, Donnie Bar- Brooksdale has property and on his property there is a pond and a search is conducted to see if jessica's body is on donnie's property because it's also found out that jessica also snuck around with donnie and so they go to the pond and they find out you know they're sifting through it and then eventually um they do find out that the body is in donnie's pond Mm -hmm. however uh this is where the film turns more takes takes kind of a, a step back in its speed and for being less intense as it focuses more on courtroom scenes. Um, but before it gets to that point, you know, the attorney who's building the case uh, talks to everyone who's been involved with it, including Annabelle. And so Annabelle has this conversation with uh, the attorney assigned to the case, and the attorney himself then does a victim blaming tactic tactics, leaving a sour feel for Annabelle. And what I liked about it, though, is before uh, Annabelle walks out the room is that, you know, throughout the entire talk, you know, he he is very much like victim blaming, you know, Jessica and that it was her fault and she brought it on herself and that she didn't know better, that type of like dialogue. And so as Annabelle's walking out of the room, though, she looks back and looks at, you know, uh, the attorney is just like, by the way, the girl in the pond has a name. And she's always had a name. And I'm just like, yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. I know I know all my true crime fans that are gonna love this that are gonna watch this movie are gonna love this scene because they're gonna be like, Yes, thank you. Yep. <laughs> and so at Donnie's hearing, uh the first hearing at least, uh, the validity of the information given by Annabelle comes under serious scrutiny as Sheriff John J.K. Simmons, who is on the podium giving his statement. Uh, realizes how crazy he sounds when explaining how he got the lead of information leading to uh, the body being in in Donnie's pond. Yeah, absolutely. It it doesn't sound credible by <laughs> by an ob- objective perspective. You know? Yeah, and like you can see, like he's struggling with embarrassment because he's like, I mean, how is he supposed to prove it? Like he can't prove it, and he's aware he can't prove it, but he's also like, I can't know. do diddly squat. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted photos of Spider Man. <laughs> And I wanted photos of Jessica's body. Of course. Easiest thing in the world. I'll just tell him a psychic told me. <laughs> <laughs> um, shortly after this uh, hearing, uh, Buddy ends up stopping uh, Annabelle as she's coming out of the courtroom. And he's like, I really need to talk to you. Can we please talk? I need you to have a session with me. You know, technically treating her as like his therapist. Um, and so she's like, I can't right now, buddy. Let's, you know, let's do it later. I just, I need to get home to my kids. And so, um, there is a huge trigger warning 
for torture and dialogue at one hour, three minutes and 10 seconds. If you want to skip it, skip to one hour, five minutes and 35 seconds. What is missed is a scene where Annabelle gets a call from Buddy's mom and saying, you know, Buddy's lost it. You need to get over here now. She goes over and in the scene, we see uh, Buddy has strapped his father to a rolling chair and is lashing him with a belt. Mm. Ultimately, he conf- you know he does end up ending this, but beforehand has a dialogue and yeah, you know looks right at Annabelle and is like, "You were supposed to talk to me, you know. Now it's too late." Type of uh, dialogue. Yeah. And so this scene comes to a screeching halt as uh, we see Buddy light his uh, abusing father. He the light his father on fire. Right. And so he does this as re, uh, lashing out for the abuse that he's endured at a young age. Uh, and again, Buddy also blames Annabelle for not listening to him in an early scene, blaming him, uh, blaming her for him lighting his father on fire. Right. Because it, it was all, if you listened to me, I wouldn't have done this type of thing. Um, at this point, the movie does ramp up more as... Annabelle starting to get, or yeah, Annabelle is getting more visions of Jessica as she's ha- not leaving. Whether it's Jessica hiding in the trees, um, or Jessica in the bathtub of her home, you know, she then eventually uh, is back in the courtroom for her turn of questioning and is examined and about her abilities, her clairvoyancy, and regarding her upbringing and delivers again. Credit goes to Kate Blanchett as she does a very powerful performance in this scene, and is it it just I can the acting, dude, the acting throughout. I for you I, because I know you love uh, analyzing films and breaking them down. I think you're really gonna have a lot to take from on this one. I'm excited to see it. Now. This this yeah. is a good one. Like I I'm I will hard argue that this is definitely one of his more better character focused films. And so again, after the second hearing where. At this point, um, Keanu Reeves' character, Donnie, is accused and found guilty of killing Jessica King. Um, Jessica still haunts Valerie, indicating that maybe there is still more to be done. Uh, a pro goes to the practical effects throughout this entire film and for the team and what they did. Because they did a very excellent job at making Jessica look like a walking corpse. Along with other scenes of violence and blood used throughout. This is going to sit at like a a moderate one. Uh, I feel like it would be too generous to give it a 2 out of 5. But at least a 1 out of 5 of Buckets of Gore. You're not going to see like decapitated limbs or gushing blood or anything like that. Just more like realistic violence and where blood would come out. Yeah. Um, and so <clears throat> with that in mind, you know, uh, she's still been talking to Greg Kinnear's character throughout this entire movie, obviously, because Wayne was the husband. And, you know, there's this kind of like somewhat intimacy building between them, uh, between Annabelle and Wayne and with that and and i am going to need to do a spoiler warning um so after these visions she goes to wayne and she's like you know it's not done it was i it wasn't donnie it was someone else you know and then hillary swank's character valerie comes to uh, uh annabelle shortly after annabelle talks with wayne saying you know it wasn't donnie so valerie again donnie's wife comes to 
Annabelle for another reading and she's like she's like you know I hate to say it and it sounds cruel but I'm glad that Jessica King is dead after finding out that she was sleeping with my husband and the disrespect I'm glad she's dead mm-hmm. and so like Valerie's like oh fuck mm-hmm. <laughs> like oh fuck oh shit <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is where the, the movie really ramps up and so I am going to do my spoiler warning really quick. Uh, if you do not want this movie to spo- be spoiled for you in the twist at the end, I do recommend that you skip ahead two minutes starting in three, two, one. This is now the spoiler portion of the review. If you are not wanting to be spoiled, skip ahead now. So through after, after that interaction that Annabelle has with Valerie, she's like, I need to figure out what happened. And so like, just a little nod of knowledge to people about mediums and clairvoyance. They sometimes will just like get an image or something will come to them based off a random piece of information or somebody or like a symbol, anything like that. And so um, she thinks she has this idea and also Wayne suggests it to go to where uh, the body of Jessica was found on Donnie's property. Mm -hmm. And then so after, before this happens, she has another vision of, this somewhat mallet looking thing being held up in the air as it comes down and strikes a person. And then we see a quick scene of buddy within the same vision. And so they're at the same exact pier, the same exact dock that is in Annabelle's vision. And it becomes very clear that the killer this entire time has been a far more closer than she thought with finding out that her suspicions are true of Wayne being the one who killed Jessica in this case. Yep. And so as Wayne tries to kill Annabelle and defeat and, you know, and hide her body next, buddy comes out of nowhere and takes the flashlight and beats, uh, Wayne over the head with it instead. And so like, that was the vision that she was having instead is that, is that buddy is going to come and save her. <laughs> it's so like yeah right and so like it was it was it was a pretty it, was, it wasn't the most clever twist but it was definitely one of like it was a good twist it's like, like a, it's like well i didn't see it coming that's for sure yeah like know. it's it's good and i'm sorry like i kind of spoiled it for you oh no, it's fine i'll, I'll blank it out later <laughs> <laughs> um this is now the end of the spoiler review if you don't want the movie to be spoiled for you in any other way um i don't recommend going back in two minutes but you are in the safe spot. We are not talking about any more spoilers here. So uh, movie wraps up with information coming to light of buddies, uh, what happens to buddy and what happens with the real person who, who actually killed Jessica and Annabelle barely escaping with her life. And so, Although a more drama-focused film, Sam Raimi shows in many ways how versatile of a director he can be when he chooses to. And even though The Gift won't completely terrify our more hardened, hardened horror viewers, excuse me, and instead tells a triumphant, creepy tale about fighting for what is right, despite the odds faced, and definitely can sit comfortably as a spooky season favorite on any horror fan shelf. And so, yeah, that was my review. I'm going to give you some quick, quick, quick trivia about this film. Um, but uh, again, I was I was pleasantly surprised by this one. I didn't think, you know, I didn't think it was going to land as well with me as it did. And I'm glad I gave it more of a uh, chance throughout. Um, 
so some fun facts about this movie based on Billy Bob Thornton's own mother reputed psychic abilities uh, to prepare for her role in this film, Kate Blanchett visited uh, five fortune tellers in one week. One of them told her she needed a bodyguard. Billy Bob Thornton, who also co-wrote the screenplay, was asked to play the part later taken by Giamani Ribisi, which I will actually say was a smart move in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, also, after Sam Raimi was hired as the director of Spider-Man for 2002, the schedule for post-production of this film conflicted with his perspect- uh, prospective work on the other movie. In the end, the two studios agreed to give Raimi more time to complete post-production on this film so he could work on both films simultaneously. Mm. Um and I'm going to do one last one. Keanu Reeves and his on-screen wife, Hilary Swank, visited with local spousal abuse counselors to understand why men were abusive to their wives and why the wives stayed at the husbands. Oh, well, I mean, I guess this is like one of those few times where I could say I'm glad they did their research. Yeah. That, that's, well, I mean, like you you want to be thorough within that if you're going to portray it correctly. But yeah, oh, yeah. I, I get that. Yeah, that's it's kind of like a weird like... Eh. You don't want it to come off as patronizing. You know what it is? You have to think about when you read that information, you have to think about it for a second and then realize like, yes, it's the correct thing to do, Mm -hmm. but it just sounds weird when you first read it. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. So I'm wondering if there was like any time when they were talking to them and uh, the counselors told them something that just like that Keanu didn't know. And he just did the, Whoa, (laughs) it's probably not as appropriate. This is like, has too too many revelations in one setting. That's why he's such a nice guy because he learned so much on the making of the gift. He's just like, dude, like the world is too. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. The only other time I've seen him take a bad guy role on in such a nature. I mean, well, I guess knock, knock, he's morally dubious, but, uh, uh, but, uh, is neon demon in neon demon. He plays a piece of shit in that movie too. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. He's really good in that movie too. Um, He's just, he's good in a lot of things. Yeah. He's, I mean, Ted Theodore Logan, of course he's great. Although others would argue with me and say knock, knock is his worst. Fine. We're not here to talk about people's opinion of knock, knock. We're here to talk about Keanu Reeves. We're here to talk about Keanu Reeves. That's really what we're here to talk about. Um, so yeah, man, uh, that, that was my film. Uh, I, I almost completely forgot to tell people where they could actually check it out. So I'm, I'm glad that we had that little back and forth real quick. Um, so I can tell you right now, uh, it is available on Hulu. If you want to watch it there, uh, you can also rent it on Paramount plus I, I watched it on Hulu, uh, myself. It was available there, but other spots you can watch it is epics. Now, Amazon Prime with a Paramount Plus subscription, uh, Philo, which is one I've never heard of, so that exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, YouTube, Google Play, Movies and TV, Vudu for two ninety nine all across, and Apple TV for three ninety nine. Wonderful. Yeah, I do. Yeah, check it out, man. Like, I want to hear. I would love to hear your thoughts on it after you do. Okay, I, I will follow up with you on that. Absolutely. <laughs> We we do it for the next episode. Yeah, yeah. I, I do. I'd be down to do. Ooh. Ooh. We got to find a way and make it connect, though. <laughs> In the meantime, though, I chose to be a, a basic human being and um, go back to where it all began, um, to uh, the 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 state of Tennessee in a little cabin where. Four, <laughs> four, <laughs> five, five hapless college students run into a book. <laughs> And chaos ensues. It's called The Evil Dead from 1981. I would say they more run into a cabin and trip over a book. Well, they trip, they trip, they trip over a tape recorder that <laughs> that, then, that then wakes them up because you, I, you know it's funny. The remake has them reading from the book, 
all the other Evil Dead movies have the tape recorder reading from the book. Huh. So the tape recorder is the one that's doing it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no. Um, Evil Dead from 1981, the movie that started the whole Sam Raimi phenomenon. Uh, directed by Sam Raimi. Written by Sam Raimi. Produced by Bob Tappert. And I'm going to go ahead and credit Bruce Campbell as a producer on this, even though the credits don't, because... I've read uh, If Chins Could Talk, <laughs> uh, starring Bruce Campbell, Ellen Sandwise, uh, Richard DeManicor, Betsy Baker, and Teresa Tilly, um, with uh, uh, editing by Edna Ruth Paul and assisted editing by Joel Cohen, as we learned Ooh. about today uh, the, the, in the Zealotris episode. Why is it so familiar? To, to be fair, I, I knew that factoid beforehand because anytime i can connect the cohen brothers to something i'm gonna fucking do it <laughs> um yeah yeah it's good get, watch the hudsucker proxy it's co-written by sam raimi Ooh. it's it's great it's it's um i don't know how to describe it to you without going into a diatribe so i won't try um but i will tell you that um uh the evil dead how to describe the plot of Evil Dead? Um, because it's not there's not really spoilers in this movie, and also this movie is close to forty years old. <laughs> yeah, and um, I mean it, it is very much just like college friends going to the cabin for the yeah, weekend it, to get away. It very much is. Um, I will uh, I'll I'll break it down as succinctly as I can. Like from the opening, we are treated to those visual swooping shots of Sam Raimi um, using his steady cam shaky cam trick, um, which carries on into his other work. Um, and it runs into the uh, the the grouping of our heroes, Ash Williams, Ashley J. Williams, um, Housewares. That's mm. S-Smart, by the way. Yes. I don't know if you knew that. Um, Shop Smart. <laughs> Shop S-Smart. S-smart. <laughs> Lady, I'm going to have to ask you to leave the store. <laughs> <laughs> I was rewatching Army of Darkness last night. Uh, Cheryl Williams, uh, his, uh, his, his girlfriend, uh, Scott, Linda, and Shelly. And... Uh, so they're driving. Um, they get swerved around. They're but they're they're determined. They're on their way to that cabin. They they know it's going to be a fun time because they got it cheap. <laughs> <laughs> and we're we're brought to this decadent, dilapidated cabin in those woods. And they get in there, and nothing really happens for a little bit. Like they're just goofing around. And from the get go, you can see the DIY effect going in. One thing I noticed is. Uh, that I hadn't really noticed or took into account before is when they're sitting down at the table to have dinner where they make, where Ash makes that awkward toast where he's quoting something elegant and he's bubbling over it. Uh, All the condiments look like they had been used over the course of five weeks. Uh, So the ketchup bottle in particular looks like somebody had literally been like going at ketchup for either a couple of hours or a couple of weeks. Look, so some people love their ketchup. That that is true. But this one in particular looked like craft services ketchup. And the only thing that I could think of is like either these are college kids who brought their own ketchup in a little uh, cooler (laughs) or this is literally the ketchup from craft services from whatever they were serving at craft services, Um, which given the budget of the film probably wasn't anything glamorous but yeah. you know don't you don't need it when you're making a movie like that um but they all get settled in the cabin um there's unsettling things though because as they're goofing around they discover they hear noises in the cellar <laughs> they open up the cellar door that goes into the cellar and there's this lovely over, like upward shot of them all looking it over and you can tell that Sam Raimi is trying to go for more ambitious dialogue in order like it dialogue scenes in terms of the way to shoot it to make it interesting when people talk so he'll have one character saying something he'll switch over to somebody else and he'll go around in the cir- circle the only time it doesn't really work uh is when they land on uh 
uh, Shelly, uh, or sh- uh, yeah, they they land on Shelly, um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, she goes, maybe it's some kind of animal, and Scott goes, an animal, <laughs> <laughs> and he 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 calls he calls her an idiot <laughs> for, yeah. for saying it's an animal. I'm like, that's a pretty fair assessment. I, do, I know, right? <laughs> Going back to that movie and seeing that scene, I'm just like. I mean, you're in the woods, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, I mean, like, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, I don't uh, see you trying to solve this. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's crazy. It gets crazier, obviously. So Cheryl's the only one who's left without like a, 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 a significant other. She's literally sitting alone drawing and she's flipping through the drawings and whatnot. And it carves out the book of the dead, which they found in the cellar. Um, the only thing that I can bring up about them finding stuff in the cellar is that there's a torn up poster from the Hills have eyes and it's literally torn into a corner. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things that's hanging on there going like, I don't know what this is supposed to be. This is the one piece of art direction that I'm just like, what the hell is that doing there? Uh, but I'm, you I'm, might be a Wes Craven fan, but still it's, it's, it's hanging there all too casually and weird. Um, nevertheless though, this book has established it th- itself. It draws Cheryl out into the middle of the woods where we get, um, the biggest of the trigger sequences in this movie, uh, uh, full disclosure to the audience, the evil dead, uh, has trigger warnings when it comes to violence and gore, uh, from the fifth, from the literally from the 24 minute mark to the end of this 85 minute movie. <laughs> um, yeah. And I mean, also game in mind, like if you're somehow going into the evil dead the first time, I've never seen it. It is only going to continue to be, bloody and over the top oh can i give my uh, but my blood rating right now oh go ahead a hundred out of five blood yeah uh, hundred out of uh, five buckets of gore a hundred out of five buckets of gore yeah it's a solid five out of five like yeah yeah. you you did not i would argue (laughs) a little more a little more uh digestible just because it there is an apparent difference of like effects from then as compared to effects now yeah, so that's, but still like if you're if you're getting the 4k transfer of this that came out not too long ago um or even the blu-ray you're gonna see the lines in the makeup that's not a detriment that's an asset because yeah. you're watching the creativity at play oh yeah and also this film is decidedly messy and unapologetically so and i oh, love God, it yeah. but from the 24 minute mark up into the 27 36 mark we see uh, Cheryl in distress. Following that, we get the trees themselves in the woods coming alive, wrapping their branches around her, and sexually assaulting Cheryl. Yeah, it's um, it's a scene. Uh, you know, we we talked about it in the Zealotrous episode about how the remake does this versus the other one. This one is decidedly seventies and unapologetically brutal. Yeah, the remake is. I think a little bit more tasteful while still somehow being psychologically more terrifying. I mean, I would say the new one's far more intense because it's just more modern technology, you know? It's also the way it's shot. The comp- yeah. composition is way different. This, oh, yeah. This one, like, the it 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 literally strips part of her clothes off at one point. Like, yeah. j- j- uh, there is nudity in that scene as and a result. So. The importance, the importance of the scene, if you do skip it, what you're missing... And why this is happening is that this is how she gets infected with exactly. the evil dead. Yeah, this yeah. is how the deadites, quote unquote, infect her. Yeah. Um. So it is. It is essential. But if you're wanting to skip that, that is the only thing you're missing. 
All you need to know is Cheryl becomes possessed after that point. She runs back. She bangs into the cabin and she's going, it was the woods themselves. There's something out there. We have to get out. And they try to leave only to find out that the only bridge back into town has, of course, been conveniently dismantled and bent upward. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you hate it when that happens? I I hate it when the bridge is never working, guys. I just, I hate it. It, You know, like it didn't, it never works well for people unless it's that Futurama episode where it's more like one of those sliding things at the airport. Um, So since they can't leave, they're all stuck there. Um, They decide, okay, well, we're going to pass the time anyway and we'll, we'll figure out a solution to this. And, you have, uh, you, you you do have, uh, Linda and Cheryl, uh, you, or you have Cheryl and um, or I'm sorry, uh, Linda and Shelley, um, playing cards or trying to get like doing telepathy and ESP. Yeah, and um, they're all getting it wrong, and then suddenly you hear Cheryl going like six of diamonds, eight of spades, <laughs> thus setting the tone for all ghost-like movies thus out <laughs> for what happens when you fuck up. Yeah, and mess with things you shouldn't. Yeah, and and Cheryl is Ash's sister, so like, there's a reason why he's like the one taking her to the bridge, only to find that it's dismantled and whatnot. Yeah, um, and his girlfriend is Linda. So the, uh, the 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 these are characters that you essentially do care about for the most part. Um, and the evil is awoken within that because, as we discussed at the top of the review already, um, they found that tape recorder along with the book, and the book. Uh, the passages from the book are read out aloud by the person who discovered the book, Dr. Nobi, (laughs) who we find out his name in Evil Dead too. Um, And so everything is sparked and the chaos is set. You have, you have Cheryl going to town on assaulting them through a variety of ways, knocking them around the house. Uh, the evil starts passing itself down onto each and every member of that house. Oh yeah. Leaving, Ash as the sole survivor. Um, the uh, the from here on out, it's not so much about plot; it's about how and in, how much more intense does each moment get. So Cheryl's immediately put into the into the cellar and locked up there, but the evil has already passed itself on uh, into uh, into um, uh, Shelley, and Shelley, who is Scott's girlfriend. They start doing a struggle and they start getting into a tussle and uh, leaving Scott with only one uh, course of action, which is to start dismembering her. (laughs) And this I will give this trigger warning because I forgot how brutal this is. So if people are a little bit off put by this kind of brutality in particular, I I will I will give this this heads up here. from 47 minutes, 24 seconds into 47 minutes, 55 seconds, Scott is mercilessly dismembering his girlfriend. <laughs> um, and uh, I guess I said we're separating. Yeah. And I guess also if uh, you don't like the idea of spousal abuse or uh, partner abuse, Ash does slap the shit out of Linda from uh, 53 minutes, 43 seconds to 53 minutes and uh, 52 seconds. So. I, I would say that it's more comical in this it, case. It, cause it, it, cause it is because much... she's she's inhabited by the demon. Yeah. It, the only reason I'm bringing it up is because like when you look at it from a certain angle, like it is fucking like it is merciless. <laughs> like right. it is played for laughs. It would definitely be the worst time for like someone to walk into the cabin and be like, what's going on here? And just Ash just... I can explain. Yeah. I know how this looks. Yeah. If, if, if this is if this is the gift, 
the scene goes very differently. Yeah. This is the Evil Dead, though. <laughs> Evil Dead's designed to be this fucked up. Yeah, no. Um, and so the as the chaos follows and as uh as the chaos follows and as uh as his uh, as Scott's girlfriend is fucking like uh, just mercilessly uh, like taken apart uh we're left with Linda being the agitator here um Scott at this point has been kicked the shit out of and he's like the most like we're going to die we're going to die in here and he gets dispatched pretty quick and it leaves really Ash and Linda behind um, yeah. with the only other confrontation being later with, uh, w- with Cheryl down in the cellar. And, you know, like, I guess from here, I don't need to do much plot things other than the fact that as the chaos has fully un- unwound and Ash has kind of figured out how to stop some of the evil through, yeah, listening to the book and trying to figure out a solution. One of his solutions is to try to bury Linda and that does not work out in his favor at all. (laughs) Um, And uh, it fully ultimately leads down to a final confrontation in the living room of the cabin uh, where he is grabbing for the book um, to try to throw it into the fire. And he has to use a necklace that he gave Linda to try to get it down, get it down to him. And this is where you kind of see the full madness of Sam Raimi as in it is an effects artist yes. and as a visual storyteller at hand because virtually everything from makeup to stop motion to in-camera trick mm-hmm. is at play here. He throws the book into the fire and all the demons stop and you see this progressively worse uh, in terms of like the evil, not necessarily the quality because the quality looks amazing. You see the stop motion of... of all the demons, whether they're portrayed by Scott or portrayed by Cheryl, melting, dissolving away. Yeah. At one point, turning into cornmeal coming out of uh, Scott's sleeve. <laughs> um, that's my favorite one. It's, it's you can tell there's literally a pump going through and oh, just yeah. pushing out cream corn. Like <laughs> it's really fun. It's, oh yeah, it's 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 so it's, simple yet magnificent how it's executed. Exactly, and I'll tell you if you haven't watched this in, on HD. It really works in HD. Oh, yeah, it just I, really works in HD. And I mean, this film alone got some like awards for its practical effects and got some real notoriety for its stop motion as well. Oh, dude, it's like the, the only the only reason the anti is better in Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness is because they just they just had more money. Oh yeah. Um. So, but this is what he was able to do with nothing. Um. And a and a fun fact that I'll bring up right now. Once the principal photography was wrapped, a lot of the actors already left, yeah. but they still had a shit ton of effect shots and other things to shoot. So a lot of the people that are doing these effects works are stand-ins or fake shemps, as they call them, yeah. um, to homage to the Three Stooges there in order to complete the production of this film. Because basically some of the only people that were left were Ramey, Tappert, and Campbell. So he throws the book in, they start dissolving and whatnot, and then claws start popping out of these guys. Uh, and... He has dispatched the evil. He runs into the woods and we think everything is going to be okay. We think there's going to be some peace, Matt. And then we get, I love this shot and the way it ends the movie. We're down on the ground. We see the leaves and then it just goes up and starts doing the shaky cam thing again. And I swear to God, no matter how many times I remember to myself, this is a DIY movie. The shot of the shaky cam going through the trees is one thing. Going through the cabin itself, 
Yeah. And then doing that pull away effect with the door and oh, yeah. hitting Ash squarely in the face. It's so impressive. It's it's still the most mind boggling thing ever. And I will tell you, so you own a copy of the movie, I'm assuming, on, yes. on DVD or Blu-ray. There are technically two aspect ratios you can watch this movie in. You can watch this in a 185 format, which is the widescreen format. You can also watch it in the original 133 ratio, which is um, square television format, yeah. as it was originally released. I will make an argument that that 133 format is incredible to watch it in. Oh, absolutely. Because there's a point where you start realizing that this movie, to me, ultimately, as it establishes Raimi, Campbell, and Tappert as forces to be reckoned with in the producerial world, the biggest asset of The Evil Dead as a film is that it almost delivers on the promise of what you would see in early horror movies, of what you wanted to see, what you wa- how insane you wanted it to get in your mind. So... There's a benefit to those old black and white horror movies, correct? Well, there's also the theory that you would love to see the anti-upped, and this is the kind of movie that will do that for you. It's drawing on everything that was supreme about those universal monster movies or those early early movies of dealing with a horrific nature while also drawing on the effects and the ability to push the limits that had been established in the 70s. So it's a nice blend of everything and it kicks you off into the 80s in style when it comes to horror. Yeah. Um, so we get the so then we get the end and we are left thinking that Ash is left to deal with the evil dead for all eternity, which technically he is because he'll return in evil dead Two: army of darkness. And Ooh. then Ash versus evil dead for three seasons before it gets canceled. Boo. Boo. Now uh, I will bring up a fun, my other fun fact that I will bring up right now. You're probably wondering like, well, when can I go visit this cabin that was in the woods? Can I go visit and check out the location? Yeah. Yeah. About funny about that. that. So the cabin was located in the forest outside the town of Morristown, Tennessee, as I mentioned on the Zealotrist episode. Um, and in Bruce Campbell's biography, uh, if Jim's could talk, he says that the, uh, said that the cabin was later burned down. No one knows for sure what happened. Sam Raimi says that he burnt it down himself <laughs> uh, after filming. I, but additionally, no one will give out complete directions to the cabin because the only remaining part of the structure is the brick chimney and too many people have already vandalized the property. Yeah. So it's kind of similar to the way people were throwing pizzas on top of roofs after Breaking Bad. Don't fucking do that shit. Don't vandalize that property. Why are you doing that? Yeah, don't do that. But I do like the idea of Sam Raimi burning it down himself. Yeah, right. (laughs) Just like, it it gave me my fame, but it also took away my patience. (laughs) So poetic, Sam. Let it burn! (laughs) Um, and uh, so yeah the Evil Dead uh, a seminal classic if you have not watched this film and have only seen Sam Raimi from the perspective of a Spider-Man outing or Oz the Great and Powerful or even a simple plan I think you owe it to yourself to give at least this film a shot even if you didn't watch Evil Dead 2 Army of Darkness or Dark Man or Drag Me to Hell I would encourage you to check out where it all began because a lot Every bit of energy that is in his later works is in this movie. Absolutely. Um, and you can find The Evil Dead fully ready and available to go on Hulu Plus, Hulu Plus with a premium subscription. 
You can find it on HBO Max. It is available for rental on Amazon Prime, Vudu, Apple TV, and YouTube TV, ranging from $1.99 to $3.99. Uh, if you're a physical media hound like I am, there are 4K and Blu-ray copies available from Lionsgate. And look out, people, because there is an entire groovy collection coming out, courtesy of Lionsgate that features Evil Dead 1 and 2 and the complete Ash vs. Evil Dead series all in one big box set, which I'm picking up. It's going to be fun. Dude, I yeah, I can't wait for that fucking box set. Yeah. If you want Army of Darkness, you'll have to go to Scream Factory for that. But, you know, not nothing wrong with making a $100 purchase towards one of the greatest horror franchises in history. So Absolutely. And, oh, my God, can we talk about I mean, we already did. <laughs> but just that movie, man, like, not only did it establish the careers of, like, Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi and so many others, but it, it really set a tone for what horror could be for what indie horror could bring to the table for practical effects for stop motion for storytelling and the fact that you don't need to have a super deep you know thought-provoking story for a horror film to work and i think that's what's beautiful and so amazing about evil dead is that it's just a fun movie to watch it's a roller coaster and it makes no apologies for it absolutely not and and you know, if, if you've never seen it and you're still not convinced, then I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, man, because Evil Dead is a quintessential pioneering piece of art that has put ma- the horror on the map that it has been on for so long. It is or like, at least has helped. I it is say. like watching a monster kid and a horror kid playing with his action figures. And that's it's that's mm. one of its most beautiful assets. That's like especially personified in Army of Darkness, like from the dialogue, everything like that. It is watching a child at play, and it's absolutely fantastic to watch that inner child at play with all the, with all the demonic craziness abound in it. You know? Oh, absolutely. And so, so yeah, listeners, ghouls, gals, creeps, mutants alike. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the Punk Rock Horror Podcast. If you want to follow us, you know to do that on Facebook, search up Punk Rock Horror Podcast, or on our Twitter at official PRHP, or you can follow us on Instagram at Punk Rock Horror Podcast there. Or you can follow me on Instagram at the Undead Matt, or you can follow Zach at Ballyhoo Review uh, on Twitter, Ballyhoo Review Pod on Instagram, or for my personals, you can check out at Zach Real Nerd on Twitter and at Real Nerd Zach on Instagram. With that in mind, listeners, if you also want to support the show, you can do that by going over to our merch store and the links there, the Teespring link right there. Click on it, order yourself a shirt, order yourself a hoodie, order yourself even a mug with the Punk Horror Podcast logo on it. It does go back to the show and does help fund this show so we continue so we can continue to chase our passions and our endeavors here and continue to bring the best entertaining horror talk show content we can provide. I'll make it simpler. Care to donate to the anti-mugging you fund? <laughs> Thank you, yes. I mean, that will also help too. We have less reason to mug you when we see you. <laughs> Um, but ghouls, gals, creeps, mutants, please check out slashingcast.net as well. That's where our home is currently. And again, thank you for continuing to come back, for supporting the show, for sharing us with your family, friends, and co-hosts, and co-workers, and co-anything. Please take care of each other. Please stay safe and give that love out freely and treat each other kindly. Bye. Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, to end this wonderful episode, let's kick it off with another track by Batshit Crazy. It's Ghosts. See you all next time.